Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And in support of my orcas, I am Nick Severi. I knew you would mention the orcas, man. On the program today, for, speaking of an orca, former President Trump speaks out about the charges against him in a Fox News interview you don't want to miss, Nick and I, in that, on that in just a bit. Hunter Biden pleads guilty to charges. We're going to get into that. And a Democratic nominee for president is all the talk of Twitter, and no, it's not the big guy in the Oval Office right now. All of that coming up in a bit on RFK Jr. If you have not heard this interview he did recently on Spotify with Joe Rogan, Nick and I, in our final segment on that, uh, before I say hello, speaking of Nick Saveri, uh, let me tease his new podcast that's out there. It's been out for a few weeks now, the Educate Us podcast over on Leon Media Network. Go check out the episodes that are out now, the latest one, with Ariel Taylor-Smith of National Parents Union breaking down all of the different issues that are playing out with the Parents' Bill of Rights across different states. Go check out that episode. Listen to the Educate Us podcast only on medianetwork.com or wherever you get your pods. Show's doing great, Nick. Uh, great job by you guys over there and some of the guests you guys have coming up in the coming weeks. A few haters in the comments as usual, but we get haters. We're going to get into our haters in a second. Um, how you been, buddy? I, I alluded to you in the last episode that you were setting sail. I'm not sure if you heard me joke about how you maybe tried to jump overboard because you probably took the heat plus you know five and, and you lost there. And that's why you head back home. Um, so I made some jokes there. You were on a family cruise. Uh, shout out to Lexi Rigdon, a criminal defense attorney that filled in in your stay and did a great job helping me break down all of the Trump stuff. We're going to get into that in just a second. But 
How was vacation? What was it like not having? I know what it's like being on a cruise, man. And you're just kind of like disconnected unless you pay that $49.99 fee for like Wi-Fi that's kind of spotty. Uh, how was it on the boat uh, getting information and stuff like that? We have, we literally have not spoken, I think, in about six or seven days. So how, how was the trip? How are you doing? Really, really relaxing. Um, I, I would recommend to anyone, you know, our generation's always known, you know, obviously we, you know, we're more or less generation X on this show, right? I think Mike, you may fall into that millennial category, that weird yeah. gray area of early eighties. So, but you know, our generation, both you and I are, are the last ones that remember a time pre-internet and, and post, right? So I can still step into a place where not being connected is a good thing for me. Uh, and I enjoyed it. You know, I, my, my phone was on airplane mode, you know, I barely needed a charge because I just wasn't using any battery. Um, I let my kids basically use it to play games on the ship. And I, I just read, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed being disconnected. And it was funny because when I did, you know, when we did get back from our trip, um, you know, I'm just reading the news and it's, it's nothing surprising. You know, I mean, some of it's just funny, but um, I didn't miss it at all though. I mean, I appreciate just you and I texting when I got back just to catch up and sort of hear what's going on, but no, I did not miss the internet at all. I did not miss, you know, not being on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. The trip itself was fantastic. You know, we, you know, we had a great cruise. The girls loved it. We're set to go again next year. Uh, Mike, heads up to you. I may will be hitting you up in Miami for you know, hey, cruise for, capital, uh, for some dinner the night before. But cruise, cruise capital of the world here, man. Royal Caribbean yep. is is a great boat, and I, I know you guys had a blast on that. You know, it's funny. I, you were just mentioning about disconnected real quick. Um, Shout out to the guys over at Crooked Media. John Favreau has a show called Offline there. And one of the things that they've been doing as part of the series has been disconnecting, like literally having one of the producers monitor their screen time usage throughout the week and like kind of taking their phones. Uh, it's an experiment that they've been doing. I can't believe I'm plugging in. They're not paying us for this. So, uh, but shout out to them. Go listen to the Offline podcast wherever you get your pods. And it's pretty interesting to see how often, you know, you get that screen time notification of like how many hours you've been on it. If mines are through the roof, uh, but my arm is all, my arm is connected to my phone uh, and vice versa. But uh, maybe I should disconnect. You know, it's funny that you say that, like for people out there thinking about it, maybe it is a good way to disconnect because you don't get into the whole, you know, what's happening right now. Oh, the president's son is turning himself in. The other president is <laughs> under indictment. Like it is true. Maybe, maybe we all do need to disconnect and unplug so i just that made me laugh because i was listening to that episode earlier today and i was like i don't know if i could do that as an experiment so producer tim maybe maybe we'll try that here on can we please talk and and tim take our stuff and uh and then you and i come do an uninformed uh a podcast that ought to be hysterical <laughs> all right let's speaking of wait what were you gonna say oh no i was gonna just i was just gonna say um you know last summer i was just getting into local news we have a great paper in the Lehigh Valley, you know, in Pennsylvania, where I live. And yeah, there were just a couple of Saturdays where I would just grab the paper and, and use it as a way of getting primarily, you know, consuming news. But of course, you know, there's an online component. Then you're like, oh, I'm going to subscribe to that because it's cheaper. And then right. you go right back down the rabbit hole. But yeah, I, I hope you do it. Honestly, you just find a way to get disconnected. I'm still and everyone knows this. I'm still a big fan of local newspapers and you know, the opportunity to still stay informed, but keep it at the distance because paper comes, I read it, get my news, and then I'm done. Uh, I don't feel the need to, you know, be on my device and, you know, keep consuming it. So I think we should all, I think we would all benefit from taking a step back. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Well, we can't take a step back now because we're getting into our, our first 
the first part of our first segment, as Nick and I were about to start recording this episode, was about uh, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, being uh, charged and ultimately pleading guilty to federal tax charges and striking a deal on a gun charge. The news just broke a few hours uh, as, as we were starting the tape. Take a listen to how it broke over on ABC News. After five years of investigation, Diane, it appears that the Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware, David Weiss, has not found any criminal liability with Hunter Biden's activities in China, in Ukraine, on the laptop, things that have become almost Republican talking points on the campaign trail. Instead, the charges involve two relatively minor tax crimes, failure to pay income taxes in 2017 and 2018, a time period in Hunter Biden's life when he admits that, that he was on drugs. And then the, the lying on a firearms application when he said he was not using a controlled substance in order to possess a firearm. One quick thing there, um, I wasn't crazy about the way that that was an ABC News correspondent was kind of framing that. Um, you can just read what the actual charges were, what he pled guilty to. Um, you can obviously mention that the attorney was a Trump appointed attorney, but that shouldn't matter uh, in the grand scheme of things. As we all know, like they're supposed to carry out the law and not be beholden to who it is appointed them. It's a case in point, we're going to get into the former president and, uh, you know, somebody who's been appointed to the bench that's going to be overseeing the first part of that trial in Judge Eileen Cannon. But I just wanted to mention that because that, when I was listening to that as it broke, I'm like, he should just be giving me the actual information as to what was in the plea agreement and maybe a statement from the lawyer or two, which I'm going to read for you right now. So as part of the plea agreement, Justice Department has agreed to a recommended sentence of probation for the two counts of failing to pay taxes in a timely manner. In 2017 and 2018, he owed at least about 100000 in federal taxes in 2017, same amount in 2018, but did not pay what was due to the IRS uh, by those deadlines. And you heard the reporter there say a period when Hunter was uh, under drugs or whatnot. Doesn't matter. Th that doesn't matter. He, he did something wrong. Um, something that just stuck with me. I don't know why. Now listening to it, and I had had producer Tim cut these clips, and I'm like, you know what? The, the, Take that out, sir. Um, one of the real things I wanted to mention, um, one of the, excuse me, one of the things I want to mention was Hunter Biden's attorney, Chris Clark. This is what he said in a statement recently. Hunter will take responsibility for two instances of misdemeanor failure to fail to file uh, tax payments when due pursuant to a plea agreement, firearm charge, which is subject to a pre-child diversion agreement and will not be the subject of the plea agreement will also be filed by the government. I know Hunter believes it is important to take responsibility for these mistakes he made. During a period of turmoil and addiction in his life, he looks forward to continuing his recovery and moving forward. Now, again, a big part of that is that a judge will still have final say on any sentence that's levied on Hunter Biden. Um, Nick, just real quick, before we dive into our true segment one, I wanted to mention this because a while ago I was on, I think my one of my first appearances on MSNBC, and I was asked about... I wasn't asked about Hunter Biden, but I brought him into the conversation with regard to something else. I forget what it was about, but I said something to the effect of uh, Hunter Biden and the talking points specifically for members of the GOP side, let the legal and investigative processes play out with Hunter Biden. If he's found guilty of something, if they found you know something nefarious, whether it be, again, what he's accused of or what he's you know, agreeing to plead guilty to, which was tax evasion or whatnot, 
let these processes play out. It doesn't matter if three years, four years, five years, they're investigating him. They admitted they're, they're investigating him. He knew that they were investigating him. His attorneys knew that they're investigating him. Let these processes play out. And then we'll see what happens. And here we are today where he's actually pled guilty to certain things. And there's going to be a judge that will decide the sentencing part of this. But what do you make of the entire process, the news that broke here? And one quick thing before you go, uh, Sarah Zari, friend of the program and criminal defense attorney over at News Nation, she put on Twitter about Hunter Biden's proposed plea deal. It's not a sweet deal, as a lot of people are saying. She put sweet in air quotes. Tax evasion can be a criminal or civil offense under federal law. Here it was criminal, but it was minor. The spectrum of culpability is far wider, and the options for resolution are far more flexible than any other federal offenses. So that's a a big differentiator, at least from the legal standpoint. Here it's key that Hunter paid what he owed. Money talks in tax cases, especially when it doesn't involve fraud, and it turns on a failure to pay. Key there, no fraud, but failure to make those payments timely when the IRS was looking for it in 2017 and 2018. What do you make of the charges? What I just read from Sarah there, the, the entirety of, of this Hunter Biden saga. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's, if it's a matter of someone not paying their taxes, well, that's America. And you know, there are times that tax cheats will get caught and that's what this seems to be. But what's weird about this is, you know, we have seen since the Republicans took back the house, So one of the first things that was talked about, actually, was about Hunter Biden. And that's where it gets weird for me, is that there is this obsession on the right to to go after the son of the president. And it has always felt like a lost opportunity of, well, you could be talking about policy right now, but instead you want to direct all your energy to this. Now, whatever comes out of this. Well, what now? What's the next thing that the Republican Party gets to go gets to talk about for the president? Because obviously they have can't really go after the president. And fun fact, apparently Lauren, Bo- Congresswoman Lauren Boeber, I think, tried to bring up uh, um, articles of impeachment against yep. uh, President Biden t- as early as today and, and was just basically getting laughed at by her colleagues. Um, I wish they would do more than laugh at her per- personally, but it's fine. But yeah, like the the fervor of going after someone is always it, it's always felt a little like whitewaterish. Right. Like like Republicans that were obsessing about, you know, the Clintons in the early 90s. And and this is what the party sadly does. It's always, you know, one conspiracy after another as it relates to, you know, the president's family. There's been no efforts to really hide anything on behalf of, you know, Joe Biden's family. This has pretty much been out there. So if if Hunter's guilty, then then be then let's be done with it. Let justice be met and let's move on. I do find it ironic that this is the same party that's so adamant about this that also you know stands behind regularly a former president who's now been indicted at least three times, who's now also been documented as paying about $750 in taxes two of his years as president. Crickets when this conversation comes up. But around Hunter Biden, and this is the thing, this is the whataboutism that just annoys the hell out of me. Like if we're going to be consistent about talking about crime as it relates to members of of the white of like family members of the White House, then be consistent that I want to hear about Jared Kushner and his wife. I want to hear about Hunter Biden if we're going to do this. But we don't. Both sides play the same thing. And it's and it's just annoying. And in the end of the day, what I'm talking about is a person who simply didn't pay their taxes. Wesley Snipes didn't pay his taxes either. Let, let's just move on. Yeah. And Wesley went to jail. Um, one key differentiator, Joe, I just want to mention there 
because you mentioned about Jared and Ivanka and, and what about ISM. And I think it's a good point, but here's the, here's the big thing. Okay. Jared and Ivanka had security clearances at one point in this country. Jared was appointed a position in the white house. So was Ivanka Trump. Hunter Biden has not sniffed anywhere near the white house. He is not a member of Joe Biden's cabinet. He's not part of the administration in any capacity. He's a private citizen, which is why I was echoing kind of what you said. If he's guilty of something, okay, show it to me. Let the legal teams and the investigators investigate this and now charge him, lock him up. I don't care. We, we don't care. If you committed a crime, like Jim Carrey said in Liar Liar, stop breaking the law, a-hole, right? Like it's real simple. If you did this, okay, we're open to seeing the investigation play out and wherever it nets out, which is where it's netting out today with him entering that that plea deal. And again, still subject to a judge reviewing everything. I mean, most of the time judges will sign off. I'm not a lawyer, but this is something that legal analysts that have been on the program have told us before about other things. And so we'll see where that all nets out. We'll be following up with that in the coming weeks. Another legal analyst will be on in a few weeks. Um, Speaking of legal news, though, let's transition into our first segment because you just brought up the former president and you were on a boat. You were sailing, uh, you know, the the seven seas there. And uh, Donald Trump was in air and flew down to my hometown here or hometown. Well, I live here now uh, in Miami as he came to the federal courthouse here uh, last week to, again, enter a not guilty plea into these charges that he is facing now. Uh, In federal court here in Miami, 37 counts. Uh, Last episode, if you missed our last episode, you can go check it out where we had Alexi Rigdon, criminal defense attorney on the program to kind of break down the 37 charges in this case, what Jack Smith was thinking about in terms of charging the former president here in Florida, where the documents were in his possession at Mar-a-Lago after he left D.C., as opposed to actually charging him in D.C., Nick, just real quick, though, first, before I'm going to play some sound, because the president has kind of been on the offensive now, the former president. That's the second time I've done that. Another Freudian slip um, that he's been on the offensive uh, going on interviews post now um, being in the federal courthouse and post the indictment. And he recently gave an interview to Brett Baer from Fox News. And interest of full disclosure, we've we've tried to we've reached out to Brett Baer to have him on the program. He may be coming on. In the coming weeks, we have somebody else coming up that's lined up that's a special guest in that same Brett Bear vein in another network. But Brett, um, I reached out to him because, you know, obviously worked at Fox and have a few mutual friends there because I'd love to have him on to kind of take us through the process of interviewing former President Trump now that he's been indicted twice, now that we've all read the indictment and the charges that he's facing Some of these questions were like, bang, bang, Nick. And the answers that the president was giving were very damning and can be used against him in a court of law. I'm curious, though, just for you, before I play the clips from that interview, you were on a boat. Like I said, you you knew that this was coming. We had done something before you left about it because the news had broken when former President Trump went to True Social and said that he was being indicted. Now you see the indictment. Now you've had a chance to read it. Now you see the charges and we're going to get into the interview in a sec. Like, what do you make of all of it and the charges that he is facing here in Miami? Jack Smith doesn't strike me as someone to mess around. Um, I mean, I think they've done due diligence at this point. And what they're bringing forward is is the case that they think makes the most sense. And to play this out in a federal court in Florida, you know, a, a, a state that would be friendly to the president is indicative of the fact that 
the government thinks that they've got something. Um, whether they do or not, that's for the court to decide. But what we know is an indictment has come down. Um, everything I understand about Jack Smith strikes me as a person who's a serious person who is wanting to move forward with a case that he feels is winnable. Um, you know, the judge in question right now, there's been obviously some questions about prior decisions that she's made. Um, but there is currently a push to put together a pretty tight timeline on this case. Um, which is interesting, but yeah, as I, as I was hearing all this come in as, you know, as we were getting ready to go away, um, it was, I mean, this is getting silly, right? We're talking like, uh, this is our third indictment at this point, right? Second, second, um, second. And I mean, we don't even know what's brewing in Georgia. Right, I was going to say, right, right. Right. So, you know, like, and I just demonstrate right there, I'm losing track of how many legal battles this man's got to fight. And well, real quick, but now we're getting, those were civil battles. You know, like some of these were civil battles that were playing out. Now we're getting into criminal stuff. Like now we're actually where where people that have been rooting for this to happen. And I have not been rooting. You and I actually have a bet that I that we'll bring here to the listeners. We have a bet, a steak dinner. I said it will never serve a day in jail. I can't just see a former president sitting in jail. Steak dinner is on that. But um, now we're getting into the criminal stuff. Like we saw the civil uh, suit uh, with E. Jean Carroll and, and how that played out. Uh, against the former president now we're getting into the criminal stuff so you're right like it is tough to keep track of it but now it's too criminal and there could be something coming in georgia and something coming with respect to january 6th i'm sorry to cut off your train of thought there no it's it's a good point i mean we're looking at you know multiple legal fronts that the former president has to fight on um this will be an interesting case because yeah i mean because there's there's still the battle of you know what was he allowed to have um I mean, the most ironic thing that I keep reading about is, you know, if we follow the Espionage Act in the language that was interpreted by the former president, then then he's in a world of trouble. Like if it's interpreted that way, I mean, he was very adamant about, you know, former Secretary of State Clinton, you know, going after her and other political enemies who, in his view, you know, if they had access to information, you know, he felt they should legally have the, the book thrown at them. Well, now it's his turn. So. Obviously, he doesn't he wants leniency. But is there enough of a case? And I'm always going back to what we heard. And I heard Frank Figaluzzi talk about this on MSNBC. And I know, um, you know, we've had you know, we've had former FBI people on this show that have talked about the fact that there is espionage and there's espionage adjacent. Right. So where on this and I think there's about 37 counts on this recent indictment, where on that scale of espionage are we talking about? You know, to the lay person, it feels like, well, there's information. It wasn't revealed. He's hiding something. A lot of that is speculative. The question's going to come down is with the documents that were found there. And again, volume doesn't equate guilt. You know, we've had people on this show that talked about that. You could have thousands of documents. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have something that is so serious that we're talking about federal charges. So of all these documents that the former president had, is there a situation here where there's even proof that people who shouldn't have seen it saw it. We don't know that. We know that a room at Mar-a-Lago was flooded that may have had security information. So it gets silly. But again, thankfully, I'm not going to be on that jury. Mike, I know it's in, happening in your neighborhood. I don't think you'll be on that jury either. We don't know. But who knows, right? Um, but that is for a jury of people to play itself out. And that's that's the American legal system. Like That's what we hope to happen. Um, my only hope is that this that this judge... 
you know, plays this straight and is not playing favorites and is just letting the evidence uh, come out. And as 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 I said at the top, um, Jack Smith strikes me as a serious person. Yeah. Well, Judge Eileen Cannon is going to preside over the first part of this, which is expected to be motions filed by the Trump team in terms of, you know, anything from a discovery standpoint. Again, I would direct people to go listen to what Lexi Rigdon said on our last episode when she came on the program. But the former president's facing, you know, those 37 counts, um, unauthorized retention of national defense files, obstruction of justice. You made a joke about, and I made this joke to Lexi in the last episode about, I could potentially be a juror. I live here in Miami-Dade County. You know, Donald Trump won Florida by, you know, over 250,000 votes overall as a state. But everyone knows the blue dots in the states are, you know, Palm Beach, Broward County, and Miami-Dade County. If you go back and look at the map, Trump won 46.1% of the Miami-Dade County vote. Biden won 53.4%. 617,000 for Biden, 532,000 for Donald Trump. Um, I asked Lexi about jury selection. I think that's going to be the biggest thing because when, when it ultimately does happen in one of the federal courthouses here across the Palm Beach, Dade, or Broward County system, um, you're going to find a jury pool that it's impossible to not know who the former president of the United States is. It's impossible to not know anything about the particulars of this case. And it's also impossible to not know that there will be some people on that jury once they're ultimately selected that either didn't vote for Trump or voted for Trump. I, I mean, I, and what Lexi mentioned was it doesn't matter whether they voted for Biden or Trump. It's about can they be impartial and administer the law as it's applied. So I want to get into a little bit of uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep following that as we get more legal analysts and, and as the trial dates are set closer and closer and we'll figure out if that's ever going to be televised. Criminal Federal criminal courts uh, cases are never televised ever, ever. I've heard this numerous times across court TV, other legal analysts. It's civil is different. Federal uh, criminal court cases have not been televised. And this is going to be unprecedented if the former president of the United States' case will actually make it on the television airways and we all watch in real time. It's going to be crazy to play out, how, see how that plays out over the next 12 months. One thing I will say, the interview part of this, because I asked Lexi on, on the last episode about, he's been going on some interviews and he's just been either refuting certain things or his legal team's got to be scratching their head saying, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? You know, you can't stop him from going on there. The best you can do is try to prep him and the answers he's going to give. But then you hear the interview he did with Fox News uh, Chief Washington Correspondent Brett Baer this past week. If you haven't heard the interview, take a listen to this. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a Presidential Records Act. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the New York Times of all had a story just the other day that the only way NARA could ever get this stuff, this back, would be, please, 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 could we have it back? Your Vice President Mike Pence says he's, quote, deeply troubled by what's in the indictment. And he says, quote, the indictment contains serious charges and I cannot defend what's alleged. Mike Pence had documents that were classified. And he turned them over. No, he didn't turn them over. He got caught. His lawyers found some documents and then he turned them over. 
Your Vice President Mike Pence is running against you. Yeah. Your Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr uh, says you shouldn't be president again. Uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second Defense Secretary is not supporting you. Called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House Chief of Staff John Kelly weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney a born loser. You called your first Secretary of State Rex Tillerson dumb as a rock, and your first Defense Secretary James Mattis the world's most overrated general. You called your White House Press Secretary Kayla Kennedy milk toast, and multiple times you've referred to your Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao as Mitch McConnell's China loving wife. So, why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. For those of you not watching on YouTube, throughout that entire montage, Nick and I are shaking our heads. You don't see us on camera, clearly, if you're listening to the audio. I, I, and, I, and I said this before in a previous episode about 2015 to 2016 Republican primary. There's nobody. You're going to have a hard time finding anybody that remembers those primaries like me. I'll be honest. I was glued to them because seeing the candidate pool of, okay, Jeb Bush is supposed to trounce everybody here. And seeing Jeb Bush shrink and Marco Rubio shrink and Ted Cruz shrink and John Kasich make good points, but no one's listening to him because Donald Trump was making people laugh. He was endearing himself as a media personality that he knows how to be, he was endearing himself to people out there that were potentially independent voters. And I mean, we saw in the 2016 election voter apathy and only 127 million people turn out. And then we see that number skyrocket to 157 million people turn out in 2020. But I said it back then, and I'm saying it now, he was making people laugh. And I'm listening to everything that he just said there that Brett Baer, excuse me, repeated that the president is not refuting that he said those things. He called those people out. All of these folks have either had decades experience in government like Mattis, uh, Mick Mulvaney, you know, filled in for John Kelly. John Kelly's been around DC forever. And these are folks that Trump hired that people are like, okay, that's a decent hire. And then six months later, a year later, these folks are out and he's going on TV uh, there was more of the interview. I didn't even play there. He gets fact-checked on the 2020 election because uh, Brett Baer is asking him about how does he appeal to independent voters, maybe a suburban mom that didn't vote for him last time, and now he's trying to win her vote. And he's like, well, I did win her vote because in 2020, I won the election. And then obviously, Brett Baer's got to correct them there because, A, that's the journalistic thing to do. And B, there's a lawsuit uh, that uh, the payout that Fox News just paid to Dominion Voting Systems and still has Smartmatic voting systems lawsuit that's on on the next docket. So uh, he's got to be careful the way he dances around that. Um, there was other things on there. He reenacted a phone call with Vladimir Putin. I mean, this interview was over a two day span. There was a bunch from it, a lot on the indictment, a lot of whataboutism from him, like you heard there of him talking about Mike Pence having documents and Brett Baer saying, yeah, they found it. He didn't find it. His lawyer found it like normal. And they turned it back in. And he's like, no, he got caught. No, he did not get caught. You said in the next sentence that he turned it back in. 
What do you make of the former president going on television and trying to get this message out there of his innocence, but kind of convoluting things the way he's describing it back to folks? And then you see that once you get a seasoned veteran newscaster asking him questions and following up and just pointing out like inaccuracies, he's kind of tripping over himself. And I'm, I, I got to imagine his defense team is like, this was terrible. We should not have him doing that. But it's very tough to tell the former president to not go on television. What do you make of the Brett Baer interview in its entirety that I know you've been able to kind of uh, see some of the the clips that have made uh, the viral rounds now and just this strategy of going on television to kind of state his claim and it may be working against him. Well, first, I think that Brett does a phenomenal job of being prepared. Um, all of the quotes that he used, you'll notice that the former president never refuted them. You never said, well, I didn't say that or that's that's a stretch. No, he owned or he didn't even say anything. It's just these are all the things he said. Everything from you know his racist shot at um, the former secretary of uh, transportation um, to just basically just sounding like a bully, you know. And um, you know, you talked about his his defense strategy here. I'm at a loss. I mean, when he talks about a fraudulent a fraudulent election, he sounds like Carrie Lake, and that hasn't worked for her. She's not going to win anything. And I, I wonder that while the former president. You know, currently by polling is the the leader in the party. Is it the party that's shrinking? Because I really do wonder that of this, you know, majority that he carries, is it a smaller majority than what he's going to go up against if he does go up against President Biden in 2024? Because how many people out there that were on the fringe the first time around? are going to stick around for a guy who's still talking about a fraudulent election. Because you'll notice that everything that the president talked about, former president, is just playing the hits. He's not saying anything about an improved economy. He's not saying anything about what, I mean, and he does this all the time, like what he would do differently. But when he says he talks, he sounds silly. Well, I could solve the Ukraine problem in 24 hours. No, you can't. You're full of it. Um, everything he puts forward sounds foolish. And clearly he can be an engaging speaker. He has proven to be so. But he's just tripping over himself with just complete buffoonery. And I agree with you. I think if you're someone on the Trump team, you have to look at this and wonder, who are you winning over? Because now it's not about securing your base. It's about expanding it. So you're not expanding the base when you do this. You're not growing any legitimacy when you say these things. But I think he's struggling. I think he's getting desperate. And I think what's coming out in Florida weighs heavily on him. Um, and I, I gave a lot of credit to Brett Baer for not taking the bait. It was one of the better ways of handling it. Just putting forward, Mr. President, here's all the things you've said. Right? And that's, I think, the way you have to counter this. You have to put forward his words and have him speak to it. And he couldn't refute any of it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Speaking of uh, people running for president of the United States, when we come back after the break, Nick and I will examine somebody you may not have heard of that's running for president of the United States, but he's on the Democratic side. More on that when we come back after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation quick break from our pod to tell you about a new pod at fresh roasted coffee envy pods so if you go to freshroastedcoffee.com, my partner shaking his head that's a good transition what are you are you kidding me it was good no i shook my head i was like that's brilliant <laughs> thank you because thank you. You, i saw the i saw this picture earlier i was like i saw i saw what you're doing that's right it is a fantastic transition nick if i do say so myself listen the new envy pods over at our partners at fresh roasted coffee these pods are environmentally safe. They are compostable. And let me tell you something. When you open these individually wrapped pods, Nick, they smell absolutely delicious. You can check out these new pods from our sponsors over at freshroastedcoffee.com and enter in the promo code, new promo code. Can we please get 20, all one word, and the number 20. Can we please get 20 for 20% off your purchase? Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. hope this wakes people up to the value of vaccines too there's so many wackos out there that think that vaccines are you know a scam or they're dangerous or it's there there's so many people out there that won't vaccinate their children i know i think that's really an important point that you know we got to get this idea these vaccines can be life-saving if we had one right now think how different the situation would be in the world right now all right allow me to introduce you to a presidential candidate who's He's the nephew of a former president, and he's the son of a former person that ran for the highest office in the land. He's an environmental lawyer. He's a Harvard graduate. But there's one little thing about him that you may not know. We're going to get into everything about his biography. And this is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's been making the rounds now, and he's polling right now at about 15% in the Democratic primary. Now, you have to reach a certain threshold. This is according, by the way, to a new Harvard Caps Harris poll that was out on the Hill. Fifteen uh, percent of support among a sample of the party's primary voters, with only about twenty-one percent of respondents saying that they have a positive view of him. Still small numbers, but this relative assent for Robert Kennedy Jr. has kind of kicked off this groundswell of people starting to invite him on programs. He's going to be on News Nation Town Hall next week. 
He was just on Newsmax with Greta Van Susteren, and he was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, which has over 11 million subscribers that listen on Spotify. And we're going to get into a little bit of what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has said with respect to that interview. But the reason why I'm mentioning him and that there's one little thing about him is that he's caught a a wave of attention for expressing a series of conspiratorial and really insane Mike Leon words, views on vaccinations and politics that non-traditional audiences have maybe not even learned about. You heard in the clip at the top there, Joe Rogan expressing in March of 2020, when he was talking to an epidemiologist from the University of Minnesota about his stance on vaccinations, right? Because at the time, the pandemic was, you know, starting up, right? It had already been here for a couple of months, or at least in China, and now it started to make its way here. And he said that with the epidemiologist about the importance of vaccinations, right? And now we turn to Three years later, he has Robert Kennedy Jr. on the program, and Robert Kennedy Jr. has said that there are links to vaccines that cause autism, amongst other things that my co-host is going to get into, kind of a breakdown of some of the things that he said in the past. But why don't we talk about something that he said recently, and that's the interview that he had with Joe Rogan, three hours long on the Joe Rogan podcast. By the way, Joe, way too long of an episode. You only need about 45 minutes to an hour, as you can learn here from the folks at Can We Please Talk. Get your thoughts in succinctly, but I'll play a little bit of it before we get sued by Rogan and Spotify. But here's a little bit from that interview with RFK Jr. Take a listen to this. So, you know, I said to him, Tony, you've said, been telling people I'm a liar. When I say no vaccine has ever been, none of the um, mandated vaccines, what they call recommended, they're actually mandated in many of the states. I said none of them have ever been tested against uh, in a placebo-controlled trial and a safety test prior to, to licensure. And I said, can you show me one vaccine that has been subject to a safety test? Show me one study that shows that. And he made it this show of looking through a red well they had brought in from NIH this big tray full of file folders, and he made a show of kind of looking through that at the time, but he couldn't find whatever he was looking for. So then he said, it's back at NIH in Bethesda, and I'll send it to you. Autism went from 1 in 10,000 in my generation. It's still 1 in 10,000 in my generation. I, how old are you? 55. 55. I bet that you've never met anybody with full-blown autism your age, you know, head-banging, football or a helmet on, non-toilet train, non-verbal. I mean, my, I've never met anybody like that in my age. But in my kids' age, now one in every 34 kids has has autism, and half of those are full-blown, meaning that description. Now, what's the conventional explanation for that? Well, I mean, there there's no real explanation. You know, well, How they, do they try to... They, they try to say, well, we're just noticing it more, which is ridiculous. Oh, all of these drugs, the pharmaceutical industry is not making us safe, safe, safer. It's not making us healthier. And, you know, we changed the rule in 90, 1997. Prior to 1997, like cigarettes and liquor, you couldn't advertise on TV. We changed those rules and FDA allowed um, the pharmaceutical companies to 
advertise, and they not only now have a platform from which they can tell everybody, you're sick, you need this, you need that, um, but also uh, they are able to dictate content on television. So they can dictate content on the, you know, on the local And news. on YouTube. You All these controversial opinions that you have, have you had anyone debate you publicly about any of these? They, nobody will debate me. For 18 years, nobody will debate me. In fact, I've scheduled many, many debates, and I've asked Hotez many, many times to debate me. And I think you've asked him, here, why don't you debate Robert Kennedy? And he said, because he's a cunning lawyer or something like that. The last part I want to get into real quick um, before we actually give our takes and some added context around Robert Kennedy Jr. is he mentions Dr. Peter Hotez and a debate or a potential to debate the uh, molecular biology doctor over at Baylor College of Medicine. Uh, he's a professor, excuse me, of molecular biology over at Baylor College of Medicine. And if you don't know who Peter Hotez is, he's a short guy with glasses. You've probably seen him on CNN or MSNBC. And uh, they made a vaccine from Corba Corbavax, I believe is the name of the company. And they were able to manufacture this outside of big, you know, the big pharmaceutical companies and able to distribute that in some other countries like India, and I believe Indonesia as well. And in interest of full disclosure, Peter Hotez was on Joe Rogan's podcast about a year ago or so talking about this breakthrough that him and the scientist over at Baylor College, you know, kind of made through. And we actually invited Peter Hotez on the program a while back. He was supposed to be on, but because of scheduling, we ended up having Dr. Paul Offit on the program. I mentioned Dr. Offit because he's the head of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He's also written a book on vaccinations, and he was also on the FD, FDA's advisory committee during the pandemic. So I'm going to play something from what he says about the larger context of, you know, debates and understanding and all of that. But I want to get into real quick about some of the things that he said there, because he mentions about placebo controlled trials. And he says, Tony, if you don't know, Tony is short for Dr. Anthony Fauci, that he's mentioning to him about there's no placebo controlled trials uh, and that we still need to do them. In 2021, the New England Journal of Medicine, which is widely respected out there in the industry, wrote an article about the need for placebo-controlled trials of COVID-19 vaccines and why we still need them, right? And at the end of this article, which you can go read it at nejm.org, it says about uh, random randomized placebo-controlled trials are the bedrock of modern clinical decision-making and remain the most efficient way to obtain reliable results. If successful, focus attempts to ascertain correlates of protection could materially accelerate acceptance of second generation vaccines, but alone they cannot provide an adequate basis for assessing safety and efficacy. I'd be lying to you if I could tell you that I knew exactly what all of that meant. Nick Savary has worked in education for 20 plus years. He'd be lying to you if he could tell you exactly what that meant. The purpose of this show is we talk to people who know what they're talking about. Nick and I are not doctors. I'm not going to comment about placebo control trials. And you know who shouldn't be commenting about placebo controlled trials is the guy who's an environmental lawyer that happened to go to Harvard. Now, if we want to talk about environmental law, I'm all for listening to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because Time Magazine named him hero for the planet for his leadership 
in fighting to restore the Hudson River up in New York, my hometown. The achievement helped spawn more than 300 waterkeeper organizations across the globe. New York City's watershed agreement. This is all on Kennedy24.com and their about section. It's a watershed agreement he negotiated on behalf of environmentalists and New York City watershed consumers. It's regarded as an international model in stakeholder consensus negotiations and sustainable development. He's enjoyed legal victories, Robert Kennedy Jr. In almost every country from Latin America to Canada, here in the U.S., he led a trial team in a landmark victory against Monasano in 2018 and against DuPont, if you don't know who they are, in 2019, in the contamination case that inspired a movie, Dark Waters. These are things that he's done from an environmental law perspective that makes him a subject matter expert. But you know what he's not a subject matter expert on? The medical field. And I have trouble listening to somebody that's running for the highest office in the land that's telling me something that they don't know about. And I can't fact check in real time because I don't work in the profession, which leads me into what I'm going to mention here about Dr. Paul Offit. Dr. Paul Offit is pivotal here because there was a clip when he came on our program and I asked him about people wanting to do their own research. Um, you know, like, what would you recommend? Because the word research has become such a buzzword, what would you recommend to people that actually want to do their own research about this? Like, what should we do? Because we want to be more informed. What do you think we should do, Dr. Offit? And here's what he said. If you, if somebody says to me, look, I want to, I want to um, do my research on mRNA vaccines, or I've done my research on mRNA vaccines, typically what that means is they've read people's opinions about mRNA vaccines on the internet. That's what it really means. If you want to really do your research on mRNA vaccines, you should read the primary data that have been generated with mRNA vaccines. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the original research, as well as the phase one, phase two, phase three data, which is published in terms of how those vaccines were made. You should also understand how mRNA vaccines work. Um, and, and I think to do that, needs, you need some understanding of, of virology, molecular biology, and, and then regarding uh, the, how, how well the vaccine works or whether it's safe, epidemiology. I think few people actually have that expertise. I think few doctors actually have that expertise. I mean, so what do we do? What we do is we, rec we, we rely on advisory bodies that at least collectively have that expertise, at least collectively have read all those articles, like the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee or the CDC's so-called Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices. Those groups have gone through all those data and then make recommendations. So, so what I'm, I'm saying, that no one will buy into in, in, in the year, uh, what, what is this year, 2022 or something like that. Um, I, I think what no one buys into is trust us, we're experts, because you know you want to believe that you, you can be empowered to be your own advocate. And we do that in medicine. We say, you know, here, read this. And, and, you know, and we sort of seed our expertise in many ways. I just, when people say to me, they've done their own research, they've made a decision, I know that they haven't really done the research. Now, Dr. Paul Offit is the chief of the infectious diseases over at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He runs the Vaccine Education Center at the hospital as well. He's a professor of vaccinology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. He's written books about the subject matter, and he has a book out that you can go read, Deadly Choices, How the Anti-Vaccine Movement Threatens Us All. And the reason I'm harping on this is because this is personal to me. Right now, as I'm recording, 
my wife happens to be out with another group of mothers out there whose kids are on the spectrum, just like my child is. And it's hard for me to hear. And again, we only played snippets of here because we don't want to get sued into oblivion by Joe Rogan or Spotify of the interview, which I'm not stopping anybody from going to listen to it. You can go check it out, the Joe Rogan podcast. So you can fully hear his message around it. I've heard his full message around it, and I'm not satisfied with it because if, if we're going to be voting for somebody for the highest office of the land, in the U.S., unfortunately, we have two political parties, Republicans and Democrats. When we try to stuff 70, 80 ideological things into two compartments, Republican or Democrat. If you're a Republican, you have to be all of these things. If you're a Democrat, you have to be all these things. And we know that there's overlap and there's a common ground. There's a middle. And unfortunately, and I heard Roy Wood Jr. say this, the comedian recently about he's become a voter issue. He's become an issues voter. So he's voting for folks that are championing certain issues. And right now for me, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., even though he's polling very low and he's being platformed and given uh, the ability to kind of speak on television, do other podcasts and interviews because he's running for office and he has a certain percentage threshold that he currently has right now in the Democratic primary. So they're asking him to come on programs. But the problem is, if you go deeper into what it is he's talking about with respect to the medical field, he has no business talking about it. But then the things that he are saying are being disproven by people that are out there working in the medical profession. And that to me right now, is the biggest issue I have with this guy running for the highest office in the land. I leave my thoughts there because I want to transition to you, Nick, because uh, you are married to a doctor, an actual doctor, uh, somebody that has helped me and my family and my daughter who was in the hospital a few months back uh, go through this period of what to expect with RSV and covid Etc. And I know that when we started preparing to talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., there's a lot to unpack with his years of of messaging and all of the different things that he has said across different outlets. It's one thing to say those things, but then it's another thing when it's in the court of law, right? If that stuff is proven in the court of law, he's impeccable. He knows law. He knows environmental law. He's a subject matter expert in that. He's not an expert in this in the medical field. Neither is Joe Rogan. And I'm not sure why the two of them continue to talk about things that are playing out in the medical space that they have no business talking about. They don't know anything about it. I'm not saying you can't challenge things, but there's got to be some type of fact. Sky is blue, sun is yellow, right? We can't meet there. What are we arguing about? Why am I listening to you? What do you make of RF Kennedy Jr.'s candidacy? What do you make of the things he said on television and podcasts? And then what do you make of this debate me, bro, mentality of, which was trending on Twitter because he has challenged Peter Hotez to a debate on medicine. And again, one guy invented a vaccine that is saving lives. The other guy helped save the Hudson River. They're two different things. What do you make of all of it? I mean, I think there's a lot of places to go here. Um, you know, one of the first places I'll point out, though, is so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. <clears throat> is one of the leaders for the Children's Health Defense. You know, it's a nonprofit organization that focuses on advocacy for families. Right. So the website, you know, provides information for, you know, I mean, some of the stuff that that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. espouses. 
And you would think that this website will be a trusted resource because here's a person who is qu- openly questioning vaccines. But if you dig a little bit on the website, there's a very important section under the legal information disclaimer, which I'm going to go ahead and read right now. The information provided on this website is not intended to and does not constitute legal advice. All content, including but not limited to information and materials available here are for general informational purposes only. This information may not constitute, here it comes, folks, the most up-to-date legal, medical, or other information and contains links to other third-party websites for the convenience of the reader, user, or browser, and nothing more. So help me out with this for a moment. Here's a person who is openly criticizing vaccines. And I'm going to also read a quote that he gave in Sacramento back in 2015 at a rally. Um, which is even more insane than I think the things he's talked about. And meanwhile, you have a website that's telling us that this that the information here is not the most up-to-date medical information. Now, where, oh, where could I get the most updated medical information? Now, if it's from me, I happen to just turn my head to the person who, you know, sleeps next to me. But for the most part, people can go to wait for what do we call them? Doctors. That's who we can go talk to. So I think it was just funny when I read down the website, like already you're 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 full of BS then. Basically, what you're putting forward is not up-to-date information. So why in the world are you getting on a platform and espousing this like it's accurate? This is also the same person, as I mentioned before, back in Sacramento. This is back in 2015. It was at a rally when at the time the state of California was deciding on a bill that would no longer allow parents to opt out of vaccinating their children, you know, for personal beliefs. At this event. Robert F. Kennedy reportedly had said the following quote, they get the shot, the vaccine that night. They have a fever of 103. They go to sleep and three months later, their brain is gone. This is a Holocaust. What this is doing to our country. So the 19, 15%, sorry, that um, currently are supporting this guy. Get your mans, people. Seriously. That's who you're backing right now. A person who's associating vaccines to the friggin' Holocaust. I have a complicated relationship with Robert F. Kennedy because like most people who were aware of uh, Kennedy Jr. years ago, was he was a radio figure on Air America Radio, which is a left-leaning um, you know, radio station you know, back in the early 2000s. I had folks like Sam Cedar, Jeanine Garofalo, uh, Al Franken, and folks like that. And on Saturday afternoons, Robert F. Kennedy had a show called Ring of Fire. And on that show, that's how I became aware of him, had talked at length only about environmental issues. And if you were to listen to that show, it was really eye-opening how insightful he was. And it made perfect sense because here's a an arena where I would trust Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But at some point along the way, he decided to take a heel turn where he went from going after um, organizations that he considered to be against the environment to going after the medical field. And you can see the through line when he talks about big pharma, as he talks about buying up television space. You know, the thing about pharmaceutical companies that buy ad, ad space on television, like any other company, you are still subject to libel or not libel, but you are subject that if something goes horribly wrong with your medicine, you're still going to get sued. This idea that they can control, these pharmaceutical companies can control the media is silly. 
Yes, they have a lot of money for advertisements. You know who also has a lot of money? Papa John's. Does it mean I necessarily feel obligated to buy that lousy pizza? No, I don't. So I think you know, to de- the idea of debating someone who puts forward a platform that is so idiotic, why would you? It's no different, honestly, than when you're walking down, and Mike and I have both worked in New York City. When you're walking down the street in New York City and there's someone with a sign who's just yelling at the top of their lungs, the most absurd information that you know is not based on anything. It's just nonsense. If that person were to say to Mike or I, well, if you don't agree with me, debate me, bro, you really think I'm going to take any time out of my day and do that? Why would I argue with a fool? And I'm honestly, in this arena, in this conversation, the son of Robert F. K- Robert F. Kennedy is a fool. And let's go back to and something important I'll say in closing here. You know, the founder of the anti-vax argument was a doctor who had tried to replicate studies that point to, you know, vaccines causing autism. And it was found to be fraudulent. The person lost their medical license. The likes of folks like Jenny McCarthy, who's changed your tune on this, to the likes of Robert F. Kennedy, who keep banging the drum about the association between autism and vaccines is reckless. And I'm not surprised Joe Rogan would have people on. You know, this is what he does. Rogan, not too long ago, had Bill Burr on, the comedian, who, when this conversation came up and Rogan's trying to get playful and said, let's talk about it, let's talk about it. Burr, to his credit, was like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) You don't have a medical degree. I don't have a medical degree. I'm not going to see her and have this conversation and talk about something that the CDC should be doing. And I think, like in many ways, Bill Burr is probably right on this one. You know, go to Kennedy24.com. In all seriousness, if you truly want to find out more about where the priorities of Robert F. Kennedy lie. He has them broken down into honest government, reconciliation, the environment, revitalization, peace, civil liberties, and different things that he wants his campaign to be about. The funniest thing, and it's funny because it kind of funnels into everything we've just been talking about, is a quote that he said about the blizzard of misinformation that is now inundating our democracy will end only when the government and the media start telling the truth to the Americans. But in this segment, we just broke down some of the truths that he was saying on other places that are not actually true. And that's things that are in the medical community that, again, are not his subject matter expertise. Um, We're going to hear more from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as more outlets start to platform him and give him the airtime. And that's something else that we're going to have a correspondent from a network on to discuss giving airtime to folks like this that don't believe in sky's blue, sun is yellow, yet they're running for office. So more on that in our next episode. We leave it there on the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. stuff video. As always, for our show, you can check out all of the interviews we've done on this program Head over to our YouTube channel, type in Can We Please Talk Podcast. We should pop right up, hit the subscribe button, check out our interview with Lexi Rigdon last week that we did about all of the Trump stuff with respect to the charges here in Miami. Audio podcast platforms, you know them by now. Apple, Spotify, Google, shout out to Good Pods, our hosting platform. Oh, excuse me, shout out to Good Pods, the people that listen to us on Good Pods. A shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. Can't do it without. We got so many different things going on there. Can't do it without each and every one of you 
that listens to this program. As always, I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. We'll see everybody next time. Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 